ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 12 of Don't Mess With The Metro. Dan, Andy, nice to see you once again. Matt, welcome back. Uh, how, I guess uh, it's been a while since we've seen you, is that the case? Yeah, it's been a while, been a, been a hot minute, but we're back and we're, uh, we're ready to roll. It must be What's nice that? to be with uh, the fake finals that Florida supposedly has. I mean, you know, yeah. does an SEC school really have classes? Um, I can either confirm or deny whether or not we had classes. Um, but now that I'm done with said uh, classes in air quotes, uh, we're back and we're uh, ready to have some trash takes on a podcast. Except haven't you been done for the past couple months now? Or the... Yeah, I have been done since April, but... Yeah, I was going to say, like, I was, I had six weeks that I was still writing a paper that took me forever to finally finish, but, yeah, and you were, like, coasting by. I was like, okay, this is totally legit. This is fine. I mean, look, this is an LVC education which you're dealing with. We don't take these things lightly here. Yeah, you got a point there. You got a point there. It's not like some other schools, which will be aforementioned later on. Daniel, what is uh, tonight's uh, drink of choice, it appears? Um, so we found some old Sam Adams upstairs when we were doing a little bit of clean out. So we got one of the Pilsners is already gone and pounding back a summer ale, which I will, Andy's going to kill me for it, but the summer ale reminds me of baseball because this is the type of beer that I would have sitting out in the bleachers for 10 bucks out at Fenway. Fenway's a beautiful ballpark, whether you like it or not, I know it's going to piss him off. Beautiful ballpark, having a beer out there, really cheap and getting sloshed at a game that you really don't care about, it's well worth it. Well, you have to be sloshed to think it's a beautiful ballpark. Anyone who's <laughs> sober knows that's a dump. Wow. <laughs> that was out from left field. Didn't know the hot takes were already coming this early. We're, what, two minutes in? <laughs> well, I mean, at least, at least to him, we can all agree that the best part about Boston is uh, BU's indoor track. So we should, uh, we should at least come to terms on those. And the yeah. best part about Boston is the bean pot, but I think I'm a little biased on that one. Have, ha, haven't had the great opportunity of running their indoor track. Bean pot, you say? How can you win a bean pot and then and then go up northwest and lose two games that you should win by at least a minimum of two goals each game? That's tough. I don't know, man. I don't know. Points were made. Right, we started recording. We uh, saw some information come out on uh, Dan Carcillo's uh, lawsuit against the CHL for uh, for abuse, harassment, bullying, and hazing. And not not really much need to uh, get into the details because if you see for yourself, it's uh, quite disturbing stuff. And and again, this stuff just came out today, so we do not know all of the details as we're speaking but we have we have some initial background to it and really just i don't know i think a lot of us would just be at a loss of words on this yeah it's pretty messed up the fact that like they have so much um i mean what's obviously we don't know all the the whole story but the allegations are definitely something that really seem messed up i mean it makes sense that it would be like kids in their 20s hazing kids in their teens. So it's something that it sounds very much on brand for like um, people that age to do that sort of stuff. But yeah, what they were alleging and everything, eesh. <laughs> like it is just a whole pile of eesh. And it's something that like it, I just go back to thinking like if you're, you have an opportunity to either play in college and grow your develop your game that way or go to like uh to the chl where if you're not a superstar your your game's not going to develop as much because the superstars obviously have like basically cock of the walk and it's just that you really have like the same feel as developing either in college or even if you go overseas in the shl or khl yeah this yeah, it's, it's just so like I've been saying, like they definitely have to do some major looking into uh, getting the CHL fixed. And I mean, before it was a structural thing, this is definitely something that's deeper than that. I mean, if 
the thing that kind of shocks me is that it took this long to come out. Let's be real. If you want to call it a cultural problem, call it a cultural problem. But every league and every team has their own sort of quote-unquote hazing ritual. I mean, I went through it even with my own club team. It wasn't as bad as this, clearly, but it wasn't... I really don't know how to, how to describe what the CHL is really doing. It's That's just taking it above and beyond. And to put people through that sort of abuse, I mean, let's call it what it is. That's pretty much mental and emotional abuse at that point. And to say it's a rite of passage is just wrong. I mean, everybody on this podcast also knows... We, pretty much all of us believe that college hockey is now turning into the best way to go. And after this stuff that's coming out, how can any of these parents start to trust sending their kids, American parents, trusting their kids going up north to play up in the O, play up in the W or the Q? Yeah, I mean, on that, it's just like you're a 16, 15, maybe if you're really good. Maybe if you're a little late bloomer, 17-year-old kid playing in um, – Canada, like away from home, you're probably not living with your parents, living with this random family. And then on top of that, like your teammates are like hazing you. It just can't be like a comforting feeling. And like, I mean, obviously we kind of all knew this stuff happened, but like, or, but we never knew it was this bad. And like, it's pretty scary to think about. And that's what I meant by you don't know if it's, you can call it a cultural issue if you want to. But I mean, everybody has some sort of little rite of passage. Regardless of what you do, I mean, outside of maybe a professional like work environment, everybody has some sort of rite of passage. If you're going into like uh, even orientation stuff, they have freshmen doing different types of things. Obviously, it's not like a hazing thing, but it's something that you got, that you do that's kind of a tradition. And the CHL right now is taking it way, way, way too far. And like you mentioned, Matt, you hit the nail on the head. Imagine some kid out in the W that like, gets drafted from let's say the kid's up in Yellowknife and all of a sudden he gets sent out to Vancouver to play for the Giants and he's 15, 16 hours away and then he's got to take 11-hour bus rides with kids that he doesn't even like because they're bullying the shit out of him and is living with a host family. Like How, how can you expect that kid to develop? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not really much at all. One point, one point I actually uh, saw on Twitter was uh, this is now a uh, reason more so and never for these Junior, for these junior leagues to have a players union, not necessarily from the standpoint of making a lot of money, of course, but just from simply protecting them, giving, having a voice or speaking to others on these issues as well. And just as basically as a forum of a form of a community in these regards. Oh yeah. The only thing, like one of the main things that really kind of struck me was the fact that I think, uh, I mean, um, yeah, the age uh, differences between the older players and the younger players. Like, obviously, hazing is wrong and everything, but there's a major difference if a 20-year-old hazes an 18-year-old versus hazing, like, a 15- or 16-year-old. Because psychologically speaking, a 15- or 16-year-old is not fully developed. So the fact that someone that's still, like, only a freshman or sophomore in high school or junior in high school is getting hazed by someone that's, almost 21 or 22 that could be i mean yeah it's like basically six or seven years older than them it's it's really messed up it's just beyond it's it's yeah it's so sickening me just uh but yeah as we said before there's not much of a not many words to which to talk around about it and we'll know more of the details as they come out later but Switching to other things, in the in the one of the leagues of which we follow, I guess you could say it's a uh, office of uh, on fire brains of a bunch of SpongeBob's running around shredding papers in the uh, Buffalo Sabers front office, particularly in one de- in one department of their organization. Yeah, the Buffalo Sabers went out, fired their um, head of IT, and. Brought him right back the next day because we're like, oh, shit, we didn't mean to fire you. Like, how do you do this? Just, I mean, really, you wonder how they do this, and then you realize it's the Buffalo Sabres. This is a franchise that has gone nine years without making the uh, playoffs. I think they've had, if my um, 
if memory serves me correct, like five or six head coaches in that tenure, um, four team presidents, three GMs, and the same owner, Terry Pagula. This all falls on Pagula. I'm just saying, you know, this is someone who they even have a ring named after him in Penn State. And as soon as, like, even Penn State's done well without having him. But just saying the ownership there, another Pennsylvania school certainly wouldn't have one of their graduates um, go on to own a team that goes on a nine-year hiatus from the playoffs. Sure as hell wouldn't be LVC. Never, ever. All I'll just say is, if, if I may, jump in. Jack Eichel, it's a quick little road you can take. You go out there, you get on the 400, take 20A, get on the 390 to 86, and just shoot straight down south. That should take you right to MSG. Quick drive, right around six hours. We want to send some compensation up for you. All, all the power to you. I heard uh, Leah Sanderson might be available. Oh, um, you Get mean a top that, ten pick for him? Yeah, I mean uh, the top ten pick, Leah Sanderson. Well, really, so hopefully, like, alongside uh, Casey Mills, that on their fourth line. Yeah, those two, I, Jimmy BC, that would be quite the line. I'm actually just getting a call. I'm hearing um, Ryan Strom and Leah Anderson for Jack Eichel. What a trade! It's a done deal if you're ta- talking to me. I'll drive up there myself. I heard well, you, you mentioned that trade, but you just don't seem to inshine light on the new trend that seems to have uh, started. Uh, Andy, what are what is the uh, in development going on here? Well, being that this is the Buffalo Sabers who are the authors of such terrible trades as gang Evander Kane and giving up a couple of good pieces, trading away Evander Kane for nothing, getting um, Robin Lehner, giving up a couple of decent pieces, trading away or letting Robin Lehner walk for nothing, getting Ryan O'Reilly, giving up a couple of key pieces, trading Ryan O'Reilly for basically nothing, and then watching him win the cup and consummate literally the year that you trade him. So since this all uh, is happening... I'm going to go ahead and pitch another trade to them, dusting off the Mark Stahl for Jack Eichel. As many of uh, Hockey Twitter may remember, there was once a time that someone tweeted throughout the entire like offseason Stahl for Yak, and it went all the way until October when he was you know, traded to the Blues, which <laughs> not exactly the greatest news for me to receive on a Friday when I was at a bar. Like, okay, this sucks. <laughs> Guess Wait, I'll get drunk. You remember, uh, you remember receiving the news. You don't remember what happened afterwards, then, right? <laughs> I just remember the next morning being like, "Did I just dream that?" And then checking my phone, being like, "Nope." <laughs> Crack open another one. Yeah. So that weekend was quite a weekend. But yeah, long story short, let's just go ahead and work out another trade. This time, the stall for Ike. Stall for Yak. So then we'll just sign Yak and free agency or something like that. Complete the circle. Yep, that's that's really how it's got to go. Like, we sign Yak, and then, like, the last game of of the uh, regular season in uh, 2021, it winds up being, like, Yakupov scores a goal where Mark Stahl's on ice. Sounds good to me. That was also an interesting take you had, Dan. Why would he just... uh shoot across 400 down 86 and 87 when he could just simply for him being as west as he is already just uh shoot his way across uh 90 and 90 and then 80 and basically yeah go head across I think Jack Eichel should stop driving places and just go to the airport it would be a lot easier you that would be my take here I don't know he's got to let soak in he's got to no he's got to <laughs> shoot across 80 find his way down southwest to Arizona. And then eventually his uh, counterpart, his uh, good buddy Austin Matthews, will join him. Now we're going a little off topic here. But, Ian, you do realize that even-numbered highways are horizontal and vertical numbers are – or not vertical numbers. I can't even freaking talk normally now. (laughs) It's odd and even, bud. Yeah, odds and even, same thing. 
Odds go up and down. Evens go across. So you can't go 90 to 80 without hitting, like, 81 or some other shit. Yeah, you got to Um, Hey, I'm mapping the head talk Take here. Side, Take 90, and, ni- 90 and 80 meet together in that state down south. So. That state down south. One of them. <laughs> yeah, one of those states, buddy. <laughs> Which one? So, uh, no, just so, throw it so maybe I should be questioning your geographic memory, but memory here i uh yeah when do we turn to a geography podcast somebody's gonna listen in on this and do, write in about some stupid shit about um <laughs> no wait hold on a second we can't talk about the fact that like geography and stupid shit go hand in hand with the tweet that i saw earlier where someone had like a litany of uh cities in a row and it was just oh the stupidest gosh. thing like oh man how do you because they're saying like oh we can just have a railroad just go through like how awesome oh i love those railroads when it's like i mean let's i mean i mean this is i mean this is this is worth an analysis now suppose supposedly this was the uh cover supposedly this use this picture came from the cover of some old uh, book or i'm currently in the process of trying Supposedly there was a cover book on some rapid transit from many years ago. So this wasn't the photo that was currently brought up new, but the uh, the design is really interesting upon it. I mean, why don't we why don't we analyze this? Calgary is north of Edmonton. Um, Boston is north of Ottawa and Montreal. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. I'm really, the thing was all Wait, of like is well, north of Ottawa and Montreal. Yeah, according to that uh, picture, it was what? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah stats stats don't lie. Yeah, to go from um, Pittsburgh to Cleveland, you have to go through Boston, or no Trenton. I think. No, you have Newark. to go to Trenton, Newark. That's what it was, Newark. Yeah, you have Newark. to like go all the way over there. Then, if you want to go from. Uh, um, D.C. to Baltimore, you have to go through Pittsburgh. And then, like, <laughs> I think most of um, Arizona, or most of Africa, they said, was just under construction. That I just lost it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. You're completely <laughs> ignoring South Africa. Ugh. Like, Yeesh. okay. Like, I, like, come on. I think I'm a, I'm a dumbass to a certain extent, but I at least know that, you know, that's not, never mind. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get riled up for no reason. No, it was just, that's why, like, I literally saw that. I was like, okay, this is stupid. Whoever made this, go back to geography class. Like, knock it off. Uh, let's not Look forget. Map. Now, let's not forget our facts here. San Diego is north of Phoenix and Denver. It's, so, you got to keep that in mind. Oh, yeah, it's all, oh, yes, it's also north of uh, St. Louis and Washington. You uh, <laughs> cannot, you can't forget that either. Um, oh, yeah, another thing. Uh, let's see. Chicago, Chicago, it, Chicago is west of, or no, Toronto is west of Detroit and Minneapolis, as well as as well as Cleveland. Keep what? that in mind. Yeah, that that was just a train wreck of a uh, of a map. When I saw that, I was like, okay, I hate this. Whoever made this, just just stop. Literally, stop. <laughs> I mean, oh honestly, it's always fun, extensive. I've I've seen a lot of these hypothetical rail systems and i love the extensive thinking i mean we do a lot of it all the time part i mean especially with our favorite sport and whatnot but like get your dimension straight like at least now yes i know this supposedly was from 15 years ago but at least the at least the little hypothetical continental train system like in america and canada that i want that i saw like some months ago at least the dimensions were correct on those and legit so yeah also like 15 years ago plate tectonics didn't shift some of these cities way out of proportion like let's i'm just saying like i get it's 15 years but at the same time come on this is this is just oof i was gonna say this actually uh this almost looks. This almost looks like uh, we're currently in the uh, Pangea age. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, uh, very early. Like this was probably what the dinosaurs used to just bounce around. It's back in those back in those wild times. Exactly. Matt, back you had, 
Matt, you and uh, you had some you had an interesting take on Leah Sanderson. Supposedly, uh, Dan was in uh, some disagreement with you. I'm kind of I don't want I just want to ask. Uh, any way we can brush up on the history of this uh, slight beef that you might be incurring through? Oh, it's just the whole thing started with our first episode of Don't Mess with the Metro. It was a beautiful night. I believe it was the 2017 NHL draft. And the Rangers have two first-round picks because, as everyone remembers... Hold on a second here. The first episode was before the uh, draft. This yeah, one... This was like episode seven. Oh, okay, yeah. whatever. Whatever episode number it was, I'm sorry. The, for old, the old days before our revival, let's yes, just make yeah. that clear. Season one, I should say, not episode one. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, um. it was a beautiful night. The Rangers said... Two first-round picks after trading my man, Antti Ranta, for uh, the seventh-round pick and the greatest NHL player of all time, Tony D'Angelo. Well, you're forgetting <laughs> so, Derek Stepan, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that bum was in the deal. Probably got us absolutely nothing. But so anyway, um, the Rangers decided to draft two centers, two European centers. One who I like to refer to or referred to that night as Philip Cheesedoodle, because I had never heard of him until the Rangers had drafted him, who ended up being a pretty solid pick. We all know he plays in the NHL now. Not a big deal. Another one was Leah Anderson. And I feel bad for Leah Anderson because he seemed like a good kid. I loved his competitiveness. You know, he threw the medal. Everyone will remember that. I loved it. If you can give me a team of 20 of those types of guys, I'll take it. Yep. He would die for his country because trigger. he loves playing hockey that much. Tr- just trigger the and entirety of Canada, that. even as they won a gold medal. What an absolute yeah. legend. Who so, would win? Uh, some kid, or the entire country of Canada? One kid that just yeeted it. <laughs> My beef with Elias Anderson does not really come down to anything besides this. Whenever something got tough, he decided to blame the Rangers and not himself. When he didn't make the team, he blamed the Rangers, not himself. When he got sent down, because although he may have been skating on a broken foot, which probably wasn't the best decision, it was he blamed the Rangers, not himself. When he was playing on the fourth line for the Wolf Pack, he blamed the Rangers, not himself. When he left the team, he blamed the Rangers, not himself. And the Rangers were nice. They let him go to the SHL, let him go back home. He said he was homesick, yada, yada, yada. And he went home. And the Rangers offered him a lifeline. To, he's a top 10 pick. His dad played in the NHL. And they let him back into the NHL. And they were going to let him come to their quarantine training camp, whatever. And now he's saying no and blaming the Rangers for his career and refusing to play for the Rangers. And he's actually said that he might not even play in the NHL again, even if the Rangers were to trade him. And I just think, like, I just don't respect that. How do you go from someone who will die for your country, throws his medal because he's so sick of coming in second, to someone who won't even come back? You can't play hockey in Sweden yet. Like, the only hockey in the world right now is the NHL. I just don't understand that. I I can't respect that move from someone to go from someone in what, like, what was that, probably like 18 months ago was that World Juniors? I just don't know how you change that quickly. Yeah, around yeah, I think around that long. Or... So it was twenty. It was the twenty eighteen. Or it was, I guess it was wait, wasn't it the one in Buffalo? Yeah, no, it's uh two and a half years ago because it was oh, twenty eighteen. Yeah, no, twenty seventeen eighteen, twenty seventeen eighteen. Yeah, right, right. But yeah, I just don't. Res- I'm sure he'll be. He's a good kid, but I don't know. If I may, real quick, I will admit, I'm I'm a man of my word. I will admit, if I'm wrong, I screwed up. I totally misread Heedle. I saw that he played 17 games his draft year and only had two points. And I thought it was not... I saw NLA, and I just did not think that that was the Czech League at the time. I didn't know that was the distinguishing factor in between it. I thought that the Czech League was always called the Czech, and the NLA was like kind of like the AHL. NLB would be like kind of the ECHL. So to see a guy getting only 17 games of playing time as a 17-year-old 
now being a first-round pick and only having two points, you can understand where I'm coming from now, right? I would hope so. I was wrong. I totally missed that he was playing with grown men in a professional. You get that point. Mr. Philly Cheesesteak, as I called you. <laughs> I am sorry. As for Leah Sanderson, let me start off with his dad is currently a scout in the L.A. Kings system. It came out that the L.A. Kings were targeting him. They knew everything about the kid. They knew he was a top prospect. He was not falling past 11. The Rangers would not have gotten him at 21. The Rangers would have not gotten him in the second round. Deal with it. All the Ranger fans saying, oh, he would have fallen. Oh, he would have fallen. That's called hindsight. Hindsight's always 20-20. He was not going to be there. And the Kings came out and they said that. As for Leas himself. Uh, Just to add to that real quick, I think Detroit actually wanted him at like eight or nine too. Really? So I not know that. I I know they had him over Rasmussen, who they ended up taking. So interesting. Well, regardless in the Leah situation, the Rangers knew this. If the Rangers really wanted this kid because they saw his passion, they saw how he played, they had to take him at seven. Whether you like it or not, they wanted him. They had to take him. If it was call it a safe pick, if that's what came out, that came out. Regardless, he was not going to be available later on. So Ranger fans, shut up. Now back to Leas again. I respected the shit out of him for throwing that medal. He didn't want it. It showed his passion. That's what you want to see from a character kind of standpoint of passion. You don't want to see somebody disrespecting. It's one thing if he spikes the medal. It's another thing. The way that he did it, he did it more in a graceful way. I got to give him a little bit of credit for it. Was it wrong at the time? Yes. Was it a graceful kind of quote-unquote disrespect? Yes. I can, I can understand that aspect of it. But to go out and hit the nail on the head, blaming the Rangers for everything, is absolutely asinine. Everybody has to work their way up from the bottom, whether you like it or not. Things aren't handed to you. Everybody, Matt and Andy, you guys can verify. Pavel Butchnevich, he started on the fourth line. How many people were complaining that he was only seeing fourth line minutes, not immediately slotted up top? Everyone. Yeah, a lot of people. Okay. <laughs> Myself and now, included. Now he's, now he's playing top six minutes because he worked his way up. Even Capococco right now, he's not, not playing great. Again, an 18-year-old being slotted in. Into an on an NHL roster, it's tough to do that. Everybody's thinking that all these top picks are going to turn out to be what McDavid was. It's it's not that way. Like deal with it. You're only going to ha- the fact that we were spoiled with McDavid and Matthews back to back years. That is, you're never going to see that in your lifetime again. So to put expectations on a kid like Kako like that, he has to work his way up from the fourth line up. Look at every other pick. Name one other top ten pick that immediately started playing top six minutes, besides McDavid and Eichel, really. Even even Eichel, if I'm mistaken, was on the third line for a while, too, and had to work his way up. If you are a top 10 pick and you are that good, you are going to make the players around you better. Well, for and- Eichel, it was mainly the mismanagement of Buffalo, but yeah. True. <laughs> but still, he, makes, he made the players around him better. Oh, Leas yeah. and- was playing fourth-line minutes, and was not making the players around him better. If you are a top-ten pick, you will make the players around you better. If you are worthy of top-six minutes, you will make the players around you on the third and fourth line better. If you put Panarin on the fourth line, I can guarantee you that Michael Haley's going to be playing a lot better. Am I wrong wrong to think that? No. So this is what I'm saying. He did not respect that you have to work your way up. When he got sent back down and he wasn't seeing top minutes in the AHL, Matt, nail on the head. He blamed the Rangers for it. Maybe take a look in the mirror, kid. Because your fire and passion isn't going to get you get anything handed to you. I mean, I'll, I'll let Andy talk about this one for now. I know it kind of took up your time a little bit, but. No, you're good. I just wanted to quick, quickly touch on, in the actual first episode of, uh, the original season one, Don't Mess With The Metro, where we talked about, like, who we were thinking a draft sleeper. I actually mentioned Leah Anderson. I said, you know, if he goes to the right team, fits in the right system, plays with the right um, personnel, he'll he'll flourish. 
because he was talked about as like someone that might be available uh, available like mid first round to late first round, and that he was like doing well in uh, Sweden. So, you know, so he was definitely like touted upon. And when the Rangers got him, you know, they got him and Heedle. The only problem was they got him and Heedle, who are both centers, and Heedle in training camp was, um, and then even preseason was doing really well. Regular season starts, Heedle makes the team. Leas is, uh, goes out to Sweden. So, but he still has to compete with Heedle this entire time because basically both drafted in the same draft class. And a lot of, I know uh, a couple of my friends and I, that Ranger fans were all saying like, at this point we've put in our minds that we've taken Heedle at seven and Leas at 20. So we justified this whole selection. Yeah, because of the fact that I mean that way, yeah, he um, Heedle Philip Heedle panned out perfectly. Dude is he's even like one of the youngest. I think he was the youngest uh, in the draft like five days before. He was, he yeah. He made like the cutoff by like a day. Exactly. Yeah, because and then they said like in the night if he didn't uh, if he was like born a little bit later he would have been a top five uh, projected draft pick for 2018. So, I mean, obviously there, that's high praise for a kid that would have been insanely good the next year. But, yeah, with uh, with Leas, it's just, I think it was most, I mean, yeah, a lot of it, he has to shoulder a lot of blame. And I'm sure he shoulders it, like, because he did say that it's a lot of stuff is, like, mental health and everything. And, and it's got to be definitely nerve-wracking to be brought up to the uh, NHL, only playing minimal minutes and sent back down, brought up, sent back down, go out to Sweden, come back. And it's it, he was traveling a lot when you think about it because he played in Sweden, AHL, and NHL in his 17-18 uh, year. 18-19, he was up and down often. Um, and then 19-20, he was up and down and went back to Sweden. And obviously, like, I don't know. I think it, there is some shoulder, some blame to shoulder on the Rangers aspect and the fact that, like, yeah, he has earned the minutes, but at the same time, they could have probably, like, figured out a way to address, some, alleviate some concerns of his. But I think at the end of the day, he probably knows, like, I'm sure he probably knows it. And I wish him the best. Like, I still want to see him succeed somewhere else, but I'm sure he'll be packaged in a trade somehow, some way. Uh, and I'll make two quick points on this. Uh, you guys both brought up Pedal, which I actually, like, obviously I remember they were in the same draft, but I forgot about this. This year, Phil Pedal was sent to the AHL to start the year. Leah Anderson made the roster over him. He ended up playing two AHL games. I think he had, like, four points in two games or something like that. And then he played the rest of the year. He played every single game the rest of the year. Like, Phil Hedl just always put his head down and just kept working. and just He earned his spot. And Maybe I felt like found him better. Yeah. And I just felt like Leas, like at a certain point, he was just done fighting and he kind of gave up. And then I'll make a yeah. second point. Everyone keeps mentioning like um, how like Leas obviously wasn't probably like or like and you said you thought he'd be like a hidden gem in that draft more than anything. The Rangers really didn't have a top 10 pick until. They, I think they made that trade, like, what, like, four, three, three, four days before the draft? Like, it was very close to the draft. But so the they probably, I'm thinking like they were, day before. yeah, like, I'm thinking they were, like, they wanted Leas at 21, like, early in the draft process, and then they realized, oh, he's not going to be there at 21, let's trade for a top 10 pick. But let's remember, like, the Rangers really wanted Elias Patterson. They really wanted Cal McCarr. Like, I, I feel like Leas wasn't their top prospect on their board. And then when they realized they weren't going to get any of the guys, they're like, okay, we're good taking this guy. He's kind of a safe pick. He's kind of like, he was supposed to be like a pretty safe, like third, uh, third line center. And you just feel like whenever you make those kind of picks and you're not taking risk, like it, they really never work out how you want them to. Well, I mean, when you have two first round picks, though, in general, you can take those risks. Because if you think about it, even name any sport. I mean, I'll use football since that draft tends to be like kind of brought out a lot more. Um, and the NBA, who you you don't even know who like you draft a guy and who two minutes later you're trading him. So in the NFL, if you have two first round picks, 
like the Giants, at 6-17. You take that Daniel Jones, if you really like him, and you know that he's not going to be there at 17, you're taking that risk on the guy, but you have a second pick as well where you can get that safer pick. The NHL is kind of the exact same way that I view it. If you have two first-round picks, taking a risk on one and busting on one doesn't mean that you blew the draft because you still have another first-round pick. Who's to say that let's pick any team that picked in the 20s from 2017 onwards? If they hit on that pick in 2017 or 2018, is that a bad draft for them? Say that a team picks at 25. Ian, name a guy that the Caps have picked after 21 since 2017. Or even even a little bit earlier. Anybody after 21? Anyone after 21? Uh, pretty, yeah, pretty sure we did McMichael. Samsonov and McMichael, I believe, are two guys at that point, right? Yeah. Yes, they are. And Lucas Johansson. So, boom. If, we'll say, Samsonov, from that 2015 draft, he was your only pick. If he busts, that's probably looking bad on him. But if he shines, you only had one pick at 22. That, that's a good draft for you looks guys. Like right? an, look, you look like a, it looks it makes the team look like an absolute genius. Yep. No, and they also don't they also don't get it they also don't get as much crap for it, of course, because this is late 20s we're talking about. Majority of their team is already sort of like set in stone, or they might be better at attracting free agents to fit their system or whatnot. Exactly. And look at McMichael. If he ends up doing well, that's going to end up looking like a great pick. In the Rangers situation here, if they bust at seven but hit at 21, what's the difference? Like, yeah, you could have set your team ahead a lot further, but you're still in the same spot and you're growing your team. Just still- a bunch of slander tweets on draft night. <laughs> that's it. So that's, that's my main point. Regardless of everything else that's going around, they – Took a shot on a guy who, like Matt was even saying, probably was not on the top of their draft board. Didn't pan out, but Heedle has. I mean, you can't say that it's a bad draft. can't blame the Rangers. Yes, could they have gotten maybe somebody a little bit better and set them up for more success? Yes. But all the guys that they were targeting were not going to be there at that time. And the guy that they had on their board was not going to be there when they were going to pick at 21. So they couldn't have waited on him. Mm -hmm. And Matt came out with it today just earlier that Detroit was going to take him as well. There was a report about that too. So if Detroit was going to take him, but also LA was going to try and take him, how can you even say that he was going to be there at 21? And if he wasn't going to be there at 21, you took him at seven because you wanted that guy. You cannot call, call it a true bust, I guess. I mean, he is a bust in the sense of the word, but you can't blame the Rangers for the bust. You can blame yeah. the players. Not the team. Another thing to factor in is that it's like, yeah, because it's, because it's a top ten pick, you're you're just gonna you're you're gonna you're prone to more media scrutiny, and in cases like those, you kind of have to just ignore the outside noise and say, hey, I'm gonna trust in what I am current like the or Rangers manager and will say, I'm gonna trust in what we have in control and what we know of more than any other outside sources. Well, actually, one point about Samsonov. Like when he when we drafted him, we were all like, "Wait, what the heck? Why do we need a goalie?" It's like we were thinking, "Why do we have a goalie?" Because we are because of, just because like we already had Holtby in the system, and I guess or I guess we still had or actually no, we had traded away Phoenix Copley at that point for Oshi, and we so just was, I think we were already yeah. super loaded on the goalie front, and it was kind of funny how we were a lot of us thought. Why did we just do that? And now, and you look now, he's probably going to be our starter at the start of next season. Let's not forget, too, I've made this point before talking about this. This was a terrible draft. Like, if you look at the draft, I think it would be like <clears throat> Phil Pedal would literally go like top 10 in a redraft. Like, Casey well, Middlesat, obviously, who we all loved, all wanted the Rangers to take over. We, that's the guy we were all like, oh, how do you not take this guy? How do you take Leah Anderson over Casey Middlesat? Casey Middlesat well, Casey Middlesat didn't do a – yeah, he didn't do a pull-up, so, I mean, mm-hmm. that kind of hurt him. Kale McCarr is probably going number one overall. Yeah. 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 Well, Patterson would probably go two. McCarr. Or, yeah. 
Heiskanen probably stays. There's like three. five good guys in that entire draft. And like no disrespect to he to he sure or Nolan Patrick, but what yeah, Nolan Patrick sucks. They've been, yeah. I mean, I think they've been good, but it's just like, what have they sort of done that's necessarily been like eye dropping or totally eye catching, or it's like they're this high up. Yeah. Injury for sixty on Nolan Patrick. Yeah, Nolan Person, Patrick think, isn't even like a top five pick in any other draft. I said it before, but like if you put Nolan Patrick in a physical team like Philly, he's not going to last because he doesn't play that game. And he was already injury prone going into the draft. And I mean, obviously, he does have the scoring touch from his days in juniors and stuff, but he didn't go into a system that would allow him to not get mauled every night, which Philadelphia does that. So. Yeah, that was on Philly for drafting someone that they know would be injury-prone and would, in turn, get injured. Yep. And another thing about the NHL draft, which is, like, a little tougher than – makes it a little tougher than other sports, no one really trades back. And no one really trades up to that point either. Like, trades aren't really a thing. So, like, if you have a player that you know is not in, like, your spot – you're not real like you're kind of just drafting where you're supposed to draft. You're, people really only trade if it's for like a player. Like we saw, like obviously the Rangers traded their first round pick for Jacob Truba, uh, Derek Stepan. Like your trades really aren't like you're not going to trade from 13 to 19 to to like get more draft capital. It's not really a thing that happens that often. Yeah, no, you're right. That I mean. There are some trades like on draft day that might be like a little bit of movement, but it's not going to be like in football where someone will make a huge jump and trade a, fir- a first rounder for next year to get yeah. something this year. Like where we saw, um, I think especially in 2017 in uh, the NFL where the Chiefs and, uh, well, really all three of the quarterbacks that were drafted were all traded up for. So it's not like in the NHL, you don't see many trade, like people trade up or many teams should have to draft uh, different players. Teams trade for already established first-round value. Yeah, picks. exactly. So, I mean, it's the perfect example of this, and I hate to kind of go back to the NFL. When the Cowboys traded their first-round pick for Amari Cooper, the Cowboys were going to take a wide receiver at that pick anyway. Well, you might as well trade that first-round pick for your, a guy that you know is established. The NHL is the exact same way again. You are going to trade that first-round pick for a guy who is a first-round talent that you already know is established. Because then you're minimizing the risk, and you're going to take a guy with that pick anyway, who you're going to have to develop. You might as well get a guy who's already established at that position and work with that. Does that kind of make sense where I'm kind of going, I guess? Yeah, it does. Excellent uh, thoughts, gentlemen, on uh, drafting and development. And with regards to development, before we uh, started recording, we uh, sort of touched light on how fun a uh, hypothetical... uh, juniors dash amateurs uh, interleague matchup would be as prior to recording tonight we we were in the talks of what would it be like if you took the best team in the NCAA against the best team in the CHL or the OHL or any other league of which you had mentioned and this is one of our sort of our quiet topics that we sort of easily love to just chit chat about all night long. I mean, that's one thing that, I mean, if I kind of touch first, kind of jump in the gun here. Taking the NCAA champion and pinning him up against the CHL champion, if you think about it, you might say, oh, the age range is a little bit different, blah, 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 blah. You're going to have guys who are playing in college who are 22, 23 years old that have no shot of going pro. Then you have guys who are 20 years old playing in the C that are going to be either getting an overage year or might even get some sort of AHL deal. So it's not that there's, like, the age gap thing. You're still having the talent that's also going to say a guy who might be a little bit more developed. That argument's out the window, in my opinion. The only argument could be a 16-, 17-year-old kid going up against a more stronger 22-year-old kid. But then again, you have the two best teams in America and, I guess, pseudo-Canada, because you could have an American... Um, Memorial Cup winner. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I was gonna say the Canadian. Yeah. There is there is the Looks Memorial. Saginaw could technically win. There is yep. the Memorial Cup, but we can always sort of do adjust our hypotheticals that we please. Exactly. Regardless, it's the best CHL team versus the best NCAA team. 
Because you go to CHL route, you're not going the NCAA route. You go the NCAA route, yeah, you could jump up to the C, but you're probably going to end up staying in college. So, in in my opinion, with a team that is dealing with more development that's not necessarily worried about churning a profit, I think the NCAA team is going to give the CHL a run for its money. Well, here's where I think me and Dan always talk about this. If you're a goalie, like the senior goalie is obviously going to out, unless maybe you have like an elite goalie like Carter Hart is in his just won the Memorial Cup. The senior NCAA goalie is going to play outplay the CHL goalie. I think for skaters, it makes a little less of a difference, like forwards. I think the forwards are probably evenly matched on the teams. Defense, I'd probably give the edge, unless they, again, have an elite, like Noah Dobson from um, who just won the – who won the Memorial Cup last year? Jeez. It's a team with two names. Uh, I think, Brian uh, Norn, the Huskies. Yeah, Norn. so I think the CHL probably has a few more like elite players just because if you're an elite player and you're in college, you're probably only staying – one year, like the Turcotts, the Caulfields, those kind of kids. Actually, I guess Cole Caulfield's going back. But yeah, he's, yeah, he's going anyway, back. Anyway. Michael only stay one year. Yeah, hey, thank you. The one and done. I mm-hmm. think it would be like a close series, but if you play a seven-game series or a three-game series, I think the NCAA probably could come out in like a 4-3 win. So, I mean, we might be biased, but... Yeah. What the analysis put in, so it it's not a just an afterthought. Yeah, honestly, I'd like to see a situation where uh, you have like not only the best like team from each side, but also just like the best all stars. Because think about, it, especially if they did per draft year, like a situation where we could have had in 2015, McDavid and Eichel face off, and then not only that, but you also have uh, on McDavid's side, he'll play alongside like uh, Dylan Strome, Mitch Marner. Um, Provorov on defense, but then on uh, Eichel's side, he would have Hannafin and Warensky on defense. On his wing, he'd probably have um, Cal Connor, and it would be pretty cool. Mainly, also like not only that, but in 2016, um, that you don't really have Matthews and uh, Line playing each other, but it would be also certain players like Tyson Jost, who went from uh, the BCHL to college um, in the I think school did Tyson Jones went to or go to Dakota um, I'm pretty sure yeah, Dakota in- yeah he was at UND um, yeah you'd have him be able to like jump in uh, on the um, US side because that way you'd see like not only the players that went from the US up to uh, the OHL um, QMJHL or the CHL but You'd also, or, um, sorry, the WHL, but you'd also see players from Canada that went to college, and yeah, you'd be able to see like how a great way to see um, the development versus like U.S. versus Canada in the uh, U20s. Yeah, well, you guys also know. I don't think anyone's mentioned this. You have those um, prospect games where it's like CHL versus. Uh, is it Russia? They do. I think it's CHL versus Russia. Like, why don't you do the USDP versus, um, like, Russia brings over a team of their, like, draft eligibles. They could do a USDP thing because, like, I feel like the college is a little harder since the colleges have, like, school and stuff. You don't really have, like, that much time for... Um, Traveling. And yeah. Extent, extra-central competition. Exactly. So I think maybe that would be cool that USDP works in, like, because the USDP plays, like, exhibitions versus colleges and stuff. It could be cool to add, like, a CHL one just to compare them to other prospects. And one thing that I can kind of, like, throw in, could you imagine that 2016-2017 Denver team going up against, say, the 2014-15, would it be 2014-15 Erie Otters? Um, McDavid's team? Yeah, McDavid, Strom. Yeah, McDavid, Strom's team going up against Borkstrom and Troy Terry's team. Crazy. I mean, go back even farther. You have the uh, BC team with Gaudreau, Kreider, Hayes. I mean, that's probably the best college team ever. It's 
from what I've watched, the best college team I've seen was that Denver team. But then again, like that, I didn't really follow college hockey that further enough back to like, obviously like being a normal fan. It's not like I'm in depth with it way back when, but yeah. in recent memory, those two teams would have been good. And again, that's an off year. What was that? One or is that two years off technically? Cause yeah, 14, 15 to 16, 17, regardless, that team would have been, that would have been fun to watch. Or Absolutely. In that, uh, this uh, 15, 16 Michigan team with uh, Kyle Connor, JT Comper, Wierenski, uh, who was in net at that time? Was it Nagelvort? Uh, rats. Might have, it might have been. Well, either way, regardless, like the college hockey, I guess, brand has definitely grown. And even with, I hate to go back to that whole scandal thing, you might have a lot more people going into college. It would be kind of cool to see the top two teams kind of play. And who knows, maybe kind of grow the game for both. Um, both brands and make kids decide which one they really want to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the deeper uh, thinking process as well. And um, I mean, I guess not to mention. I guess uh, how good you how how good how, how good would you uh, say the uh, Duluth 2019 squad was compared to 2017 Denver? Would do you think Denver would beat them so in let, like a let best? Let me kind of point this out for a second. My team lost to both of those teams. We lost to that UMD team in the national championship in tw- the 2017 team you're talking about, 2017-2018 team. With yeah, uh, uh, the tw- well, I was talking actually, I was talking about the 2019 one, but whichever one was more dominant. But or, well, if, yeah, we can do we can do the 2018 one. Either way, a little bit maybe some bias in it. I still think that the team the year before, when I think it was Mikey Anderson's freshman year, was more dominant than the one when they repeated. From what, but, from what it sounds like, probably. I probably agree with that. The best college hockey team that I've ever seen play was that 2016-2017 Denver team. The second best college hockey team I've ever seen play was Kale McCarr's last year at UMass. Yeah, they yeah, their surprise run to the championship. So. And again, that was my team losing again in person, watching them lose up in Manchester. That was a shit show of a game. But being able to watch those, again, watching them live is totally different. Those two were by far the two best teams that I've seen, followed by that Duluth team third. Those teams, that Duluth team in general, I don't think could beat that UMass team. The Wait, the, wait 2018 Duluth would not defeat 2019 UMass? 2018 Duluth would not defeat 2019 UMass. Are you? Uh, it's hard because in a weren't you, game, weren't you saying that 2018 team, the 2018 team was better than the 2019 team? Yeah, the 2018 Duluth team was better than the 2019 Duluth team. So if I to rank them, 2017 Denver, 2019 UMass, 2018 Duluth, 2019 Duluth. Are you saying that if 2019 UMass and uh, Duluth played a three-game series, that UMass would win in two, and that the championship game loss was a fluke? Because it's uh-huh. not like they lost by it's not like they lost by just one. I'm pretty sure it was like by three or whatnot. It it was a hundred percent a fluke in my opinion. Okay. That that oh, UMass very team, bold. <laughs> that UMass team was on such a hot winning streak they were bound to lose one. If they were bound to lose one, it was probably probably could have easily been the semifinal. And it probably should have been the semifinal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they're up three to one. They like coughed it up, and it's like deep in the overtime. It's like their overtime goal was almost mm-hmm. eerily similar to uh, Chris Kunitz's against Ottawa. Like that was probably going to be the one then and there. So I'm not totally sure how much I'd buy it, but I. Better this, this is my hot take, as on my own opinion, just from watching. We, we stand hot takes, so. Regardless, you know, just just saying. That's my little hot take. Regardless, though, that Denver team was the best team I've ever seen. And I don't think there's any debate to it. I would say I would just jump in back with Matt. Um, I remember the 2011-12 Boston College uh, team. And, yeah, the team was just fierce. Like, I mean, I remember just watching it mainly to see Cryer develop because obviously he was still a prospect at the time. And like my dad and I were just hoping that at the end of the season he would sign with the Rangers and be there for the cup run, which, I mean, he was there for a playoff run which was just awesome. But yeah, now uh, 
other than that, like having Goudreau, uh, Paul Carey, Kevin Hayes, Brian Dumoulin on that team, it was pretty loaded. And the one thing I will say, ever since um, Parker Milner has come to the Hershey Bears, who was he was the goalie at the time for the uh, BC Eagles, ever since he's been on the Bears, and I've been at one of the games that he started, he has not lost. So mm-hmm. just a subtle shout-out to Hershey legend Parker Milner. Amazing. And uh, I still cannot believe I still cannot believe Miami uh, blew three one lead in the last two minutes, which I saw in person. So that was eh, yeah. that's a different story. <laughs> even as some even as someone who didn't exactly have a rooting interest in at the time, there's still a part of me inside that's like, I'm kinda salty about this result. Damn. Everybody who's watching a game with no interest tends to root for the underdog. And being that college hockey is starting to grow little by little, you want to see these teams that are smaller start to grow. And I know Matt's been out of pocket recently, but we've been kind of on UAH recently. Like getting their hockey program back is big. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how the bigger teams are not, like the bigger schools, especially football, aren't getting these teams that mm-hmm. are allowed the Robert Morris's and the Niagara's to still have these teams. And who knows, they might be able to make some runs. Seeing Miami lose that game doesn't hurt the college hockey brand. It definitely doesn't because it makes it more of an exciting game. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Mm-hmm. I guess kind of like a part of me kind of feels like, would the parody be a little bit different if Miami wins that game? Would, I guess, like, would the WCHA be folding if Miami wins that game? I mean, they. I mean, do you really think a? Do you really think two minutes in an overtime period was the deciding factor? Are oh, you not, sure? not the two minutes. I'm talking about well, the the final two minutes in when they're up three to one, and you blow it. Not a minute thirty one left when you blow a two goal lead. But yeah, but it's like at that point, does that little time make that big of a difference? I I mean, I guess to the blind I mean, eye, certainly it, might, it's but. Like, it's a result at that point, though. If you're up two goals with a minute 31 left, regardless of what team you're on, you should win that game. I mean, of course. It's, uh, it was a wild. That was a wild. That was a little bit of a wild night at Verizon Center. Listeners, let the listeners decide that. Roast me for it. Go for it. I'm, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even necessarily me running for the underdog. I mean, it was my 11-year-old self that, like, for whatever reason, didn't like something about BU's logo. And, I mean, ironically enough, like, yeah. uh, Vermont's yeah. logo and fans more during the semifinal games. So, crazy how all that comes uh, full circle uh, 10 years later. But we could not forget all of our shenanigans talk with our very important life lesson of the week from Andrew. Folks, if I tell you anything, it's this. If you're going to go to a bar that is outdoors and you order a, uh, a bottle of beer, make sure that you do not drop it because the last thing you want to do is be that idiot that drops a, a glass of, or yeah, a bottle of beer and glasses everywhere and everyone's looking at you and you just have to pay your check and bounce. It wasn't me this time, thankfully, but it was one of my friends that I had to be like, well, Damn it. We can never return here. Well, I mean, you could return. It would just be really awkward. and People would side-eye the shit out of you. So, yeah, we're just not going to return. <laughs> maybe, give it a, maybe give it a month or two, and hopefully they forget. Or Well, no, they probably won't forget, because then you'll show up. They'll sort of remember you, and then you just don't have to do it. Just don't do anything stupid then. Yeah. Hey, weren't you there that night that uh, some jackass completely destroyed a bottle when we reopened <laughs> nope complete different person it totally was not me i'll have a a shock top please yeah. <laughs> uh, i'll have to mix it up this time let's go with summer shandy just uh for the listeners out there uh shock top is the first drink that we all see on snapchat before andy blacks out or i mean um before andy uh has a great night yeah before yes. things go great, and then I don't remember the next morning why I'm conked out on one of my friends' couch, and I have to be like, "Well, damn it." Or why? Dan, are you rocking the NCAA right now? Am I what? NCAA 14. 
No, I'm uh, actually playing the show right now because I'm kind of I'm, I'm on the road to the Mickey Mantle in uh, the uh, show. I currently have about 500k stubs. I'm trying to work my way up to a milli. I only have uh, 16 players left to buy, so <laughs> you know I'm, I'm I'm working my way up little by little. Well, work your way up in the game and uh, work up on your different uh, drinks and uh, options and whatnot. But I think that will uh, wrap things up for us on this wrap it up fine, on this fine evening. So, is it what did you have to say, Daniel? Before before we wrap it up, if we do happen to come out with a drink, regardless if it's a beer, a wine, a spirit, what would be your guys' kind of flavor go to? Again, just hypothetically here. Just hypothetically. Something yeah. that resembles a lager. Lager, all right. Uh, not a tequila shot. I was shocked about that. Or oh. a whiskey. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, hey, that would. Hey, hey, now, hey, now, hey, now. That wouldn't be that bad. But all right, calm, calm your tip. Yeah, See, calm yeah, your tip. you'll you'll slug. You'll like. Some of us will slug the shot. Others will just be nursing the hell out of that. See, this all remember. full circle now, where Matt goes. Humans have the ability to improve. Yeah, well, Matt at least knows how to go to an SEC school where they can slug back a shot and not have to sip on whiskey and outside uh, whiskey. Too easy. Yeah, Matt's putting back, uh, what is it, Stolas or... I just go straight fireball, honestly. Oh, God. Dude. All right, Jeez. end on that. End yeah. on that. Jesus. That's... Uh, Jesus. Yeah. No, we're done. We hope everybody that. enjoys a splendid Father's Day weekend this time around, and uh, we will uh, see you next week. Take care. Peace. You guys, thank you.